Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. Our welcome to The Think Podcast with Joel Sedeckes. I'm Joel Sedeckes, and this is the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. So I want to uh, encourage you, just a little bit of housekeeping here, that uh, if you haven't visited our website yet, you're going to be able to access this episode in both audio and video format, as well as a number of other episodes on the family, raising kids, fatherhood, education, and related subjects, all of which fall under the umbrella of the Christian worldview. And you can get all of those on our website, thethink.institute. So definitely go check that out if you haven't done so. If you're watching on Facebook, let me uh, encourage you to give us a like and a uh, subscribe to our page or just like our page. And then if you're listening via the podcast later on, thank you so much for listening. And please go ahead and give us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. What that does is that helps us get the word out about this show. I don't know exactly how that works. I just know that it does. Now, on with the show. At a time when over two-thirds of children raised in Christian households are growing up, moving out, and leaving the faith, the need for solid theological education for families has never been more vital. However, all the training in the world is not going to do a bit of good if it misses out on the heart of everything, which is the gospel message. So we need to talk about how to create a gospel-centered environment in your home. We need to talk about gospel-centered families. Are you interested in how to train your families and your children in the way they should go, how to walk with Jesus Christ? Do not miss this episode. You're really going to enjoy this episode of The Think Pod. Uh, Because we're going to talk about what a gospel-centered family is, why it's important, and how to make sure that your family is gospel-centered. So, to talk about this, I have the man, the myth, and the legend, the, uh, well, i got to say, I've known him for years, and um, he's currently one of my pastors at Redeemer Fellowship Church. And so, without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome him on, Pat Aldridge. Welcome to the ThinkPod, my brother. And okay, there you're unmuted. There we go. Uh, thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me on. It's it's a pleasure to be on. Um, as I was listening to the the intro, um, the thought of this being an impossible question scares me. So uh, um, I don't think it's as difficult as we would like to make it out to be sometimes. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's one of the things that we. That's a really good point, Pat, because one of the things that we discover on the show is that there are all these questions out there that seem impossible or might seem very daunting. But what happens is when we open up our Bibles, we open up our minds, we find out they're really not quite as impossible as we thought. And so uh, I'm really hoping, and I I know our listeners are really looking forward to how you're going to explain what is a gospel-centered family and and how do we have one. Um, Before we jump in though, what's your own background? Um, maybe share with us a little bit of your role at Redeemer and how you got the gospel-centered family started. So um, <clears throat> I am currently community life pastor here at Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. Um, I've been a part of Redeemer since its founding. Uh, one of the founding elders um, was a volunteer when the church first started in 07 came on staff part-time here at um, Redeemer in 2010, and then um, went full-time in 2013. Um, our, our blog, Gospel Centered Family, started between myself, uh, Jared Kennedy, and Jeff Hutchings. We became friends uh, basically through the Acts 29 network. Um, our pastors knew each other and connected us. And uh, the guys are very, the three of us are very like-minded when it comes to church and family and the need for parents to not only share the gospel with their kids, but live it in such a way that their kids desire it for themselves. 
Oops, just realized I was muted there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it happens, buddy. Uh, yes, it does. I'm sure there are many who wish I had a, a mute button in real life too. Um, no, 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 no. But uh, oh, th thank you, Pat. Thank you, Pat. Uh, well, you know, man, um, this is such such an important subject. And you know, until recently, I didn't know about Gospel Centered Family. I, I, I didn't know about the website or or the blog. Um, but once I discovered it, and I started, you know, searching around and and looking at the. Uh, the the blog and some of the different articles, I thought, man, this is an incredible resource that a lot of people are going to want to know about. So, what was um, I guess maybe let's go ahead and, and define gospel centered family, and maybe Pat, could you just um, describe for us is there is there a biblical basis for that term? Um, what is a gospel centered family? What's the goal? Like where, what's the goal and where do we see that in scripture? So when we say gospel-centered family, obviously we want all of our lives, not just the life that we live at church, but all of our lives to be centered around the gospel. So that means at work, at school, at home, in the neighborhood, in the community, um, in the public square, we want the gospel to saturate all of that. Um, and so when it comes to our family, the way we like to talk about it is viewing the family, viewing that time that you guys get to have as a family, um, as a little church. And, you know, there's family devotions, there's family discipleship, there's, you know, loving one another, all the one another passages that scripture talks about is, um, you know, come into play to encourage, to exhort, to rebuke, all those things, to discipline, all those things come up in that environment. Um, because the reality of the situation is for good or bad, parents are the primary disciplers of their children. There's there's no way around it. And, it, and now the question becomes, what are we discipling them towards? Um, we, the, as a pastor, as um, one of the writers for Gospel Center Family, we want to disciple our kids to know the Lord. We want them to come to know the Lord. What's the goal of, of a Gospel Center Family? The goal is discipleship, right? It's the same mission that the church has. Family is for any, for any man, for any mom and dad, for any parents, the family is your primary ministry. It's not your only ministry, but it's your primary ministry. This is where this should be. The gospel should be easiest to live out. And yet what we find is um, what I found is that, you know, I'm the least gracious with the people that I live with. Um, and so. Yeah, yeah, way too true, man. <laughs> so, you know, I need. I need help in what it means to be a godly husband, to be a godly father. Um, and so we turn to the Bible, right? God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And right. so we have instructions here. You know, if, if you're familiar with the, you know, uh, family ministry camps at all, you, you know what passages I'm about to go to. Ephesians 6, Deuteronomy 6, you know, looking at Deuteronomy 6, I'll just start reading at verse 4. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. From these verses, we learn really quick that if the gospel isn't in us, we have nothing to give our kids. If, if, if we're not living it out, if it's not real to us, it's not going to be real to them. We might, might, might be able to fake it for a little while, but eventually that'll catch up with us. If we continue reading on, starting at verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be the frontlets between your eyes. 
you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It's it's in these verses yeah. that that we see um, <clears throat> that parents have an obligation, a God given responsibility to diligently use every opportunity we have to point our kids to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, because the reality is things are caught rather than taught. They're going to see it in you and then emulate it for themselves. Right. Yeah. So why, why call this specifically the um, gospel centered family, Pat, why not call it God centered or Bible centered? I mean, even what you just read from Deuteronomy six, four, those are instructions to the Israelite families who were entering into covenant with God, but you know, they wouldn't have been able to articulate the gospel at that time. I mean, you know, uh, but here on this side of Jesus and this side of history, um, you're calling your ministry and your blog and this whole approach gospel centered. What is it about the gospel that is maybe a better term or more focused or more accurate than simply calling it God-centered family, Bible-centered family. What, what, how, how would you uh, respond to that? <clears throat> um, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the pinnacle of history. It's where everything changed. It, 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 it brings into focus what the Old Testament was looking forward to and what people that you and I know today need to hear. You know, we need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves as much as we're preaching it to everybody else. And so it's it's that message that's needed that that Christ came, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a death that paid the penalty, the righteous judgment of God for my sins. He paid that penalty. And it it. <clears throat> And in his resurrection, you know, not only do we have hope for a resurrection of our own, but we have power through the Holy Spirit to live a godly life. That's that's what empowers yeah. everything that we should be, you know. That's good. Man, I I love that. It's I don't know, I mean, how many times have I heard the gospel proclaimed? How many times have we talked have I talked about it on this show? And yet man, brother, hearing you articulate that again is just, it's so good to hear, to, to be reminded of who Jesus is, what he did. You know, I like that phrase you used, how it's the pinnacle of history. And, um, and, you know, in light of that, it makes sense why I know one of the, the major focuses at Redeemer is the gospel is really the heart of even the Sunday worship service, you know, of the, the liturgy. And so it makes sense as you're describing the family as kind of a little church. And I'm, I'm imagining, you know, my own family worship times with the kids or doing catechism with the kids. It makes sense why we'd want to focus on the gospel in that environment as well, because the gospel, um, just like the church is not just who we are when we go to a building on a Sunday, um, you know, we're a church at home. And if the, gospel is our main focus at church it ought to be our main focus at home as well um you know you think about it when you know back in genesis chapter three we have you know the seed of the woman crushing the head of the snake that's right. that that's the first preaching of the gospel so yeah. you know people from genesis three on we're, we're waiting in anticipation for that. And as we get through the Old Testament, we're getting a clearer and clearer picture of what this Messiah is going to be like. And then all of a sudden, boom, Jesus drops in the scene and changes the world. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the one hand, his arrival is totally unexpected. It's totally new. It's called the new covenant, you know, um, Jesus talked about new wine skins and new wine. And yet at the same time, it's it's the fulfillment of every ancient prophecy, even going back to Genesis 3.15. It wasn't um, what they were expecting, exactly. Right, right. And so, um, yeah, no, no, uh, great reminder. I think, um, you know, a lot of the folks who are watching this episode or listening to this 
maybe maybe they're they're already subscribing, but maybe they clicked on it because they're like, yeah, I I want to have a gospel centered family. I you know I want that for my home. Um, but of course, you know, you alluded to something early on, Pat. You said that we're oftentimes the least gracious. I don't remember the exact wording you said, but we're like the least gracious to people in our own family. And when you said that, that is so true for me. I, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, we had just found, uh, we just finished family worship, which we try to do in the morning. And, you know, I found myself being ungracious, less than gracious with my kids. And I'm thinking, I'm like, how, how is that even possible? Why am I, why am I finding myself acting like this when I just had family worship with him? What, what do you think is the, uh, the reason for that? Why do we tend to be less gracious with our own kids, our, our own family? Uh, because they know us best and we're privy to uh, more of their um, real feelings and emotions. Um, you know, I have twin 16 year olds at this point and um, we both know how to push each other's buttons. And right. you know, most of the time, most of the time it's in jest and we're just having fun, but sometimes it gets annoying. And, you know, um, I can only handle so much annoyance before I'm going to, I'm going to be less than gracious. Right. Um, right. So I think it's the, the familiarity that we have with our families. Um, you know, <clears throat> as I teach um, the kids on Sunday morning or the youth on Sunday night, I, I know them, but not as well. And so I'm much more likely to be more merciful with them, more gracious with them than um, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Because while I think I might know their motivation, I'm not 100% sure like I am with my own family, my own kids. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there, I, there's probably also a sense too, isn't there, that your family's kind of stuck with you. There, you, you know, you're going to work it out, and um, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a level of intimacy there with your family that's, that's kind of like, okay, I have a little more leeway in the back of your mind, maybe at least in my mind. Sometimes maybe I think, uh, well, I've got. I've got a long time to to patch this up. Um, you know, I can I can counteract for this or whatever. Um, right, which is why which is why part of um, living out the gospel in front of our kids, part of being gospel centered, is teaching our kids how to repent. And we do that yes. when we sin against them. We go to them and we we say, "Hey, I was wrong. I blew up at you." because I was annoyed, not because you were doing anything necessarily wrong. Right. Um, and, you know, will you forgive me? Right. Can you forgive me? That's, that's modeling for them the kind of people we want them to be, the kind of character we want them to have. And we, we, we remind them that, hey, we have to do the same thing with our Heavenly Father. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's good, too, because that, that shows that, Hey, this gospel thing, kids, this isn't just for you, you know, at, at 16, 17, or in my case, um, you know, in elementary school, this isn't just for you. I'm, I'm not presenting myself as someone who has arrived, you know, even the apostle Paul says, um, he, he hadn't yet reached the goal. And in the same way, Hey, we haven't reached the goal yet, kids. We need grace as well. Mommy and daddy need grace. We need God's forgiveness. And quite honestly, sometimes I'm going to need your forgiveness, kids, um, because I'm a man under grace. I'm a man who's God is, who God is still working on. And, and I need to Yeah. I'm not perfect. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so I, I think that's a, a great reminder. And, um, uh, evidently Ricky Hawkins does as well. She just, uh, <laughs> posted in the, the comments, the, the praying hands. So yep. amen, Ricky. I, I'm glad you're, feeling that. I know many of our listeners at home are feeling that as well. Um, but you know, all this points up the reality, Pat, I think that when we embark on this journey of trying to have a gospel centered family, um, we're going to hit 
we're going to hit obstacles. And we may have misconceptions about what it means to have a gospel-centered family as, as well. So what are some of those misconceptions? What are some of those obstacles that we're going to we're going to find ourselves coming face to face with and then how do we get over them? Okay, so one of the biggest obstacles even in the way that we talk about it, um, you know, that that a gospel-centered family is like a little church. Okay? Well, when parents think church, they think, you know, the hour and a half worship service where, right. you know, they're singing, there's reading of scripture, there's, you know, prayer and um, you know, a, a 40 to 50 minute message. And that's what they think they have to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. That that's, that's the idea that they get in their head. And so, you know, we have to walk parents through, you want those elements in there. You want that. You want them to be praying. You want them to be reading scripture. We want them to be singing as bad as I sing. My kids, you know, have tolerated it, I guess. Um, I make more joyful noise than anything else. Amen. It's definitely not mu beautiful music. Um, but we we get this idea in our head that whether you want to call it, you know, family worship or family discipleship, that this is going to be a big, intensive thing. And what we're what what we're trying to say is um, <clears throat> that's not that's not what we're called to. We're called to live the gospel out. And there is going to in, in that there's going to be some formal training at home. But this formal training, you know, especially with younger kids, doesn't have to be more than 10 or 15 minutes, you know. Right. At your kid's age, if you can get them to sit still for 10 minutes, you've won a major battle. Yeah. Right? Amen. Amen. Right? Absolutely. I'm getting, I'm getting questions that I'm not sure I'm I'm prepared to answer now with my 16-year-olds, you know, um, um, that, you know, they... I think they're trying to trip me up. So, you know, I think that's part of it, but, but they're wrestling with different things. And so even different things than when you and I were in high school, um, you know, a little bit more pressure, especially with COVID and having to, you know, to try to figure out life in, in, in that, you know, I, I, I pray regularly for my kids because I don't know if I would be able to handle it as well as I see them handling it. Um, so when we talk about family devotions, family discipleship, it's not as hard as we think it is. <clears throat> it could be it could be as simple as you reading your Bible devotionally and sharing with your family for 10 or 15 minutes what God is teaching you. Okay? Yeah. Because the reality is you're not going to be able to teach it until you know it. Huh. Right? Right. And when we're talking about kids, you really need to know it because you need to be able to break it down for them right. and help them understand. I mean, we, we at, at youth on Sunday night, we use the word propitiation, right? Mm -hmm. Big theological word, an important word that they need to know, but half of them couldn't, looking at it in the Bible, couldn't pronounce it right, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and much less understand what it meant. So. Um, you know, that the idea that God's wrath is satisfied in, yeah. in, in the death of Christ. So, you know, we have to be willing and able to, to, to break it down for them. And so when we talk about um, family devotions, there are four rules that we like to keep in mind. Number one, you want to keep it short. The younger the kids, the shorter it's going to be. If you have two and three year olds, read the read the Jesus Storybook Bible. That that's about as much time as you're going to get them to sit down and sit still. Um, as they get over older, there are other resources that I'm sure we're going to get into here in a little while. Um, but keep it short, ten to fifteen minutes. You know, um, my family devotions at this point are ten minutes maybe 20 if there are questions or if there's some some debate that we're we're dealing with number 2 keep it simple okay if if you don't have time to you know create an elaborate lesson use the resources that are available use what god is teaching you what god is teaching you is going to be the most benefit to those around you you've got to do that 
just for yourself. I mean, the gospel came to you on the way to somebody else. And so you want to be able to share what God is doing. Um, number three, keep it scriptural. Um, it's real easy for parents, um, and I'm guilty of this, um, to aim at my kids' behavior instead of instead of my kids' um, hearts. And the, the, the Bible helps me to keep keep on track with focusing on their heart, reminding myself that, that it's, it's the inside, not the outside, you know, um, even at 16, um, I can still impose my will on my kids and intimidate them to do what I want them to do. Um, But that's not teaching them the whys and, and the wherefores. And so, um, you know, we 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 want to be everything that we share with our kids in devotion time needs to be scriptural. And then four, and this is a hard one for some parents. It was hard for me to try to keep it fun. Um, and by fun, I mean like things like you know doing a craft. I don't know why kids get into crafts. Yeah. I'm not crafty, but no. they love scissors and and tape and glue and glitter and all that. They love yeah. that stuff. And as they're doing it, even if it's, it's keeping it fun could be as simple as a coloring sheet as you're talking about um, something. And that that because you can keep talking and they can keep engaged with their keeping their hands busy. Right. That's that's engagement. That's that's what we want. Yeah. That that last piece there about keep it fun. First of all, I, I have to say, Pat. Um, as a Southern Baptist, I was really hoping you had another S for me. You know, uh, uh, you know, keep it short, keep it simple, keep it scriptural. I was hoping for, I don't know, keep it, uh, uh, same. Say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm, I, 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 I regularly mess that kind of thing up. So <laughs> alliteration is not my thing, obviously. Well, Redeemer is definitely not a typical Southern Baptist church. I, I will say that as well. Amen to that. Amen. Um, but the 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 keep it crafty, or or I mean, uh, keep it fun, and then you know have a craft involved. I got to say, I don't know how many other dads can relate to this, but I hate crafts. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I hated crafts. Like I never anything involving cotton balls, popsicle sticks, glue. Even as a kid, I hated. I didn't like coloring. I like to draw. And it's it's funny though. My kids, especially my oldest daughter, she loves crafts. I mean, absolutely loves them. And even today, when we were doing family worship, or was it last night? I think it was today. They they asked, uh, my oldest asked, hey, Dad, can we draw a picture of what we're reading? And uh, we happen to be reading in Esther this morning. And so we're reading in Esther, and the kids are drawing pictures of like what the reading is about. So they're drawing Haman and King Ahasuerus and Esther, and the drawings, like, they were very good, Pat. I mean, I'm like, you know, I mean, they're not going to be hung in any kind of art museum anytime soon, but in terms of showing that they were paying attention and they were able to stay focused, it it really worked. It was really cool. It really was fun. And afterwards, they got to show off what they had created. Even, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it was it was just a lot of fun. And so, uh I just want to say from my own experience, even as a guy who doesn't love crafts, um, I endorse that last point because I do think it's, is very, uh, very valuable. And, you know, you, I, you see that reflected, I think in, uh, even like in Sunday school, right? I mean, isn't there typically like a, a, a craft or some sort of art component to it? Some sort of handout sheet, you know, some, of some, you know, whether it's a worksheet or a coloring sheet or something. Yeah. There's, there's always that element there that, that keeps them engaged and allows the teacher to continue to teach yeah. without the student checking out because they're bored. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's super important. I think, um, what are some other resources biblical and otherwise? So like maybe where we could look in scripture to sort of help with, cultivating a gospel-centered environment in mm-hmm. our household. And then what will be some other resources? Obviously, people are going to want to go check out gospelcenteredfamily.com. Um, but what, what would be some other resources where people could go if they're, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of dads that watch this or that listen. And then we have a lot of um, younger men as well, early twenties, mid twenties, guys who were thinking about starting a family 
And, um, and we've got people all across the spectrum. I mean, we've got, we've got moms, we've got grandmas, but where would be some places people could go to get those resources, Pat? So Joel, you've been in my office and I'm sitting at the table yes. that you usually use when you're here Uh huh. and I have four stacks of books around me. So, yeah. um, the first stack that I'm going to grab is just books. Uh, yeah. Books that will, uh, give you a basic idea of, of what we're talking about here. Um, family worship, family discipleship, parenting, first aid, and family worship, all really good resources to get a better understanding of what it means to parent this way. Um, you know, when we're talking to our kids about um, how to live out the gospel, how to live out what the next section of books here um, are, are all really good at doing that. Um, Parenting by Paul Tripp, uh, Show Them Jesus by Klumpenhauser, Give Them Grace, and Raising Your Kids to Love the Lord by Dave Stone. Um, okay. All really good books that will help um, <clears throat> help you translate the gospel into ways that kids can understand and to really just display what it means to be a believer. Okay, so... For everyone watching and listening right now, this would actually be a great place. The the miracle of technology, you can pause this video, pause this episode, rewind about 30 seconds to a minute and, and replay that list because you're going to want to write those titles down. And, um, and there's, there's a lot of, I mean, there, there are resources out there. There, re so, there really are. Yeah. Yeah. That That's, that's good. Did you mention shepherding a child's heart by, by uh, Ted Tripp? Do, do you know about that one? I do. And they, um, it was one of the resources that we we recommend um, for some reason as I was scouring my office today in preparation for this I couldn't find my copy of it so okay I, it I might thought be, I saw that. it might be at home so okay yeah that's or um, it's been misshelved and I'll find it like in a year or so right right um, Alisa and I several years ago uh, received that as a recommendation from someone I think a podcast we were listening to and on, I don't know if it's still up there, but at the time on iTunes, you, you could download those lectures. Mm -hmm. So Ted Tripp is actually giving the lectures and you could just listen to them in the car ride, things like that. It's a little hard to hear in the car, but uh, maybe something to listen to while you're, you know, you got your headphones in and you're vacuuming or doing dishes or, you know, the kids are down, you're sitting down and you just want something to, to listen to that's going to be edifying, winding down for the day. Um, those Ted Tripp lectures, how to shepherd a child's heart, I think are very good mm -hmm. as well. Um, as far as like children's Bibles go, I mentioned the Jesus Storybook Bible, mm -hmm. obviously a good one. Here's another one. Um, this is written by a friend of mine, Marty Machowski, um, the Gospel Story Bible. Marty um, is a like 30-year veteran of children's ministry. Um, there's a curriculum that goes along with this. If your church is looking for a reusable curriculum to um, to use, we've used it here in the past. Um, and it takes like three years to go through. So the whole from genesis to revelation and that's another thing i like about about that is it it grabs redemptive history as a whole and you deal with all of it not just bits and pieces here and there um, okay what what age group would you say that that's most appropriate for definitely for elementary age okay. kids okay. um and as you get older books like um star mead star meads book training Training Hearts, Teaching Minds, and Comforting Hearts, Teaching Minds is is a good way. Bruce Ware has a book that's really good for kid for older kids like 10, 12, and up. Okay. It's a it it's it's helping them understand theology. Um, that's that's by you said that's by Bruce Ware? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forget the title of it off the top of my head because I know it's at home because we're currently using that for our family devotions cool all right well so maybe someone watching can go check that out look that up yep. and uh if if you can find it um share it in the comments mm -hmm. but uh but man that's a treasure trove brother that's that's a lot yeah. of really good stuff there yeah and you know there's always stuff coming out um you know gospel center family is good um yeah you know i mean i i still use resources um 
you know, I, I do links on there almost every week to other websites of people that, that we know and websites that we trust. Um, so those are always helpful. Those come out every Friday. So, or, okay, they come out every week on Friday that I do them. So um, I miss a week here and there. Just my schedule gets crazy. And so, yeah, you know how it goes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So we, we did just have a, a question come in. But um, maybe maybe we can uh, address that in just one second because um, I have a feeling you might allude to the answer in this next in your answer to this next question. Okay. So, um, what uh, what would be the next best step or the best next step for our listeners, Pat, who want to begin or continue the process of pursuing? having a gospel centered family. What, what's that next step for someone to take? <clears throat> I would say that the next step that needs to be taken is to take the responsibility seriously, to be the primary disciples of your kids. Guess what? Um, I, I've been in children's ministry since I was 16 years old, um, been involved in, in, in youth ministry since college, um, been, thinking and writing on family ministry um, since since Redeemer has been around. Mm. And I'm still not an expert. I still don't know it all. Um, you know, everybody is going to do it differently and that's okay. Um, even even my my practice of, of family devotions has has changed. Um, we've changed time, we've changed what we're doing, we changed how we're doing it. Um, and some of that is appropriate because as the kids get older, you know, my kids don't necessarily want to color anymore, but they want to, they want to have a, a more in-depth dialogue now. So yeah, I need to be prepared for that. Um, um, and so to take that responsibility seriously, if you need help, talk to other parents, talk to parents that are, a little bit further down the road than you are. If you have toddlers, talk to parents of grade schoolers. If you have grade schoolers, talk to parents of middle schoolers and high schools and so on. And if your kids are getting ready to, to um, you know, move out on their own, talk to the empty nesters. They're, they're mm-hmm. at your church, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, I think another big step that still needs to be taken, and we haven't done the best job of it here at Redeemer, um, we've taken small steps, but I think there are more ways we can do this, is to be give, to be equipping parents, um, mm. to be giving them regular, re, you know, updates on good resources and, and um, you know, whether it's... Uh, a one night or a one weekend conference type thing where, where we, you know, we, we work through these issues. Okay. Are there any churches that you would say are, are really crushing it when it comes to equipping parents, like churches that are doing really, really well with it? I think there are, there are a lot of churches out there that are, are, are doing it, are, are, doing some things better. I think overall, I would say we're all still trying to figure it out. Okay, sure. And it's one of those landscapes too, that are constantly changing, right? I mean, you said yourself, the issues, even that your own kids are facing at, you know, in their teenage years, aren't even necessarily the same issues that you and I were facing. So the similarity, of course, is they're still facing issues, but there's, there's going to be different questions that arise. So that's, I, I remember when I was in youth ministry, I mean, even I was in youth ministry for about three years and that wasn't that long ago. And things are radically different even today than they were back in, that would be like 2013 to 2016, somewhere, somewhere around then. So I would imagine that'd be one of those things that churches, families, parents, everyone's kind of constantly keep, keeping up with figuring out addressing new challenges trying to yeah trying to right yeah. um and yet you're 
blog is still called Gospel Centered Family. You haven't changed the name of it. You haven't come up with another approach. Nope. <laughs> well, that, that, nope. Tells us, that tells us something about the staying power of the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, the thing, one of the things that we, you know, wrestle with is, is as parents is we feel like we're in and alone. Hmm. And one of the things we try to do at Redeemer is remind parents that as members of Redeemer, we are all in this together. Yeah. You know, you are the primary disciples of your kids, but you're not the only disciples. And, you know, the church has a responsibility to your kids to live out the gospel and come alongside them and disciple them. Because at the end of the day, what do we want? We want mature believers who are going to get plugged in to either our church or another church right? and, and, and continue the mission of the church to make disciples. Right. No, that that's really good. That's really good. Equipping them at home as, as if the household is a little church, equipping them to become productive members of the church, send them out so that they find a good local church. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the, the importance of the, the church and, and just church thinking here as well, which, um, obviously the church should be centered on the gospel also. Um, we did have a question come in and, um, I think it's probably a good one. Are, are you, are you okay to answer a question really quick? I will attempt it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So this is coming in from Ray T on YouTube. Ray, thanks so much for your question. And here's what she asks. What if it's a child centered family? How can that cycle be broken to live a God slash gospel centered family? So how do we move from being a child-centered family, and I know a lot of people could relate to that, to being a God-slash-gospel-centered family? I would say that it starts with the way we raise our kids, right? Um, from, you know, and Ted Tripp does a great job in his book um, on this, um, talking about the different things that are that we need to be teaching our kids at different stages of their of their childhood you know from from zero to about age two or three just depends on the kid the first thing we have to teach our kids is discipline is is who's in authority right who who who's in charge right um and some parents in their desire to um bless their kids and and um love their kids end up parenting in such a way where it's all about the kid or kids. Um, right. And that doesn't prepare your, your child for the reality of, of the real world. Um, you know, from four to 12 ish, you know, we're talking about character. And, you know, we want them to be developing um, character that is in line with what the Bible teaches. Hmm. They get, they're going to get that from us, right? They're going to see that in us. They're going to see that in the adults who come over, who hang out, who, whether it's community group or people from church or whatever, you know, from 13 to 18, basically, you know, we want them to understand that they have responsibility and we want them to keep teaching them how to disassociate themselves from the evil and wickedness in the world. So, you know, as far as this question goes, um, you know, it's never too late to start instilling biblical values into a family. It's never too late. The kid, you know, if, if you haven't done this before, it, you, it's not too late. You can still do this. You can still um, start this process. Um, but it starts with mom and dad, mom or dad, I should say, because, you know, there's another reality that we're dealing with is single parents and, and, and how do we help them um, parent their kids, especially when either one spouse isn't around or if they are around, they're definitely not on the same page. Yeah. Uh, 
that is oftentimes the case. One spouse is not a believer, um, or, you know, there might be sort of an unequally yoked situation kind of thing going on where even if they're both believers, one member of the couple is, you know, really gung ho about this. And the other one's kind of like, eh, you know, not quite sold on it yet. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you recommend in that kind of situation, Pat? Like, how do you, how do you overcome that? Well, to the one who is gung-ho about it, who who sees the importance and the value of it, be faithful with the message. Okay. Be faithful with the message. Um, um, how, how so? God, God, doesn't, God doesn't call us to make converts. He calls us to be, to proclaim his word and let him do the, the heart change work. Um, right. You know, no matter how good my argument is, to become a believer, I can't change somebody's heart. Yeah, yeah so very, true. very God, true. God, God has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that. So just be faithful with the way you're living, and at the same time, if it's an unequally yoked situation, um, I would say, I would say, um, <clears throat> be talking about it. You know, be 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 working it through because ideally. Everybody should be on the same page. Right. Yeah. So you can't change somebody's heart. You can't change your spouse's heart. Um, you, you can't change your kids' hearts even really, right? But, well, would you say that there's there's an analogous approach then? So with our kids, we understand, like you said, you can't make a convert. You yourself, I myself cannot actually take out my kid's stony heart and give him a heart of flesh as God says he'll do in, in scripture. But just like with my kids, I can present to them the gospel. I can create a, a gospel saturated environment. I can, you know, educate them to understand that the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the pinnacle of history. In the same way, there's, there's gotta be an analogous approach I can take or, or someone could take with a, a spouse who's not on the same page. Talking about Jesus is how we create that opportunity for faith, isn't it? Talking about the gospel, bringing them up, bringing them up in conversation. I mean, is that it's it's the same? Simple it's, as that? it's the it's the same. It's the it's the same message, just in a different context. Okay, with my spouse as opposed to with my kids. Right. Right. Okay. You know. Um, I saw on the screen um, Ray popped up again about being in a blended family that creates a whole new level of complexity right. to, to doing this. And so, you know, the church has to acknowledge that and the church has to be ready to step in and help. Um, you know, it's, it's, and, and there are ministries out there um, that, that do that well. Um, Restored and remarried is one of them. Um, friends of mine who uh, live out in the Pacific Northwest um, do counseling and blended family type ministry stuff. So, um, you know, they recognize the unique challenges better than I would. So I would, when I have questions, that's who I go to. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I, I would also recommend there's a website you can go to called familylife.com. Family Life is a crew ministry. Um, under Campus Crusade for Christ, just like the Think Institute is under Campus Crusade. And they have been really pivoting lately over the last several years, at least the last few years, to, to really addressing the reality of blended families, divorce and remarriage. And they do they do a lot of great work as well. So um I'll give I'll go ahead and give them a plug and and um you know Ray what you're doing is, you know, you want to shift to that shift from a child centered environment to a gospel centered one. I mean, you're on the right track. Just like what Pat said, the first next step is taking your responsibility seriously. It sounds like you're, you're already thinking that way. So kudos to you. I think, uh, I, I don't know, Pat, would you agree? Is she on the right track? Definitely. And be patient with that process. It's not going to be an overnight change. Yeah. You know, yeah, yes, sure. yes, the gospel transforms us in the twinkling of an eye, but that it, it it's right. 
it takes some time. You know, none of us believe the gospel the first time we heard it more than likely. Right. Yeah, very true. All right. Um, Pat, man, brother, uh, I got to tell you, this this was very encouraging to me. I trust that it, it, it was for our listeners, our viewers. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, follow your work, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Um, you can find me pretty easily. Um, Pipe Yoda. Gospel-centered family. Find me there. You can... Um, uh, the church website has uh, has email addresses and stuff like that if you want to get in contact with me. Um, please reach out. You know, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that all of us are smarter than one of us. And so, you know, I would love to have these types of conversations. Joel, this has been a blast today. I've had fun with this one. So, yeah, me too, brother. Thanks, thanks for making this the highlight of today so far. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, major, major thanks to my guest, Pastor Pat Aldridge, one of the founders of Gospel Centered Family. I'm going to put that up on the screen one last time. Gospel Centered Family. You can go check out that website. Please go check it out. Gospelcenteredfamily.com. We need the gospel to be the center of our family, center of our homes, the center of life. We want the gospel to permeate everything. So major, major thank you to Pastor Pat Aldridge. And want to remind you that if you like this content, you can support us by going to give.crew.org slash 1018841. That is Alisa and my giving page uh, through Crew. We are support raising missionaries through Crew. You can also follow the Think Institute. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Gab, and MeWe. So we're on the establishment socials, the insurgent socials. Uh, we were on Parlor, and or I was on Parlor, and then Parlor blew up, and now they're coming back, but we'll see. We'll let them get their act together first. Um, this is also a production of the Think Institute. You can subscribe to every episode of every show on the Think Institute network by going to tinyurl.com slash thinknetwork. Check us out. And again, if you haven't done so yet, please leave us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you want to send me an email, you can do that by going to thethink.institute at gmail.com. And I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, sometimes I get a little behind on my emails, but, uh, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't not justifying it, just, just explain it. So check us out on all the socials. Thank you again to pastor Pat Aldridge. And listen, I certainly hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. And remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. That's about all we have for you today. So until next time, I hope it made you think. <laughs>